Welcome to episode six of Lockdown Culture with me, Ed Vasey, who is none other than the prestigious and world-famous culture editor of Country and Townhouse magazine. And I'm Charlotte Metcalf, and I'm the very unfamous associate editor at the magazine. Now this week, we're on a mission to cheer ourselves up. We've got an action-packed, fun podcast full of guests. We want to start with music because that is a wonderful boost and tonic, and it's also incredibly important for our mental health, which is why I sound so happy. No one knows that better than the award-winning businesswoman and pianist and piano teacher to the world-famous Ed Vasey, none other than Tessa Marchington. Tessa set up music in offices in 2007 to give people in high-stress environments, like offices, music lessons, and also to set up office choirs, which I think is a brilliant idea. She's built up a hugely impressive roster of clients, apart from me, from banks to media outfits like Channel 4 and The Telegraph, and now she wants us all of us stuck at home to cheer ourselves up by joining her virtual choir. This choir is going to sing Queen's I Want to Break Free, which has to be the zeitgeist song of the moment. And it's also going to raise money for the Lord Mayor's appeal for charity at the same time. Tessa is here with us today. Tessa, welcome. Thank you, Ed. Hi. Thanks for having me. And hi, Charlotte. Hi, Tessa. It's a pleasure to welcome you. Now, I really want to know, and I'm sure our listeners really want to know, what on earth was Ed like to teach? Was he a nightmare or was he adorable? He was adorable. I think he, um, yeah, I hope to keep, I hope to pick it up again sometime. I think time is always an issue, isn't it, with practice in between lessons. But I really enjoyed teaching him and playing duets with him as well. He progressed really quickly. Oh, that's so kind of you. Before you can tell us how we can join and sing, I want to break free. Um, I wonder if you can tell our listeners a bit about how music literally helped you to live, because I gather you had heart surgery at a very young age and were told you might not live beyond the age of 14. Um, well, yeah, I did have heart sur- surgery when I was two weeks old. I had a blocked aorta. I was born with a blocked aorta. Um, but I wasn't actually told that I wouldn't live beyond the age of 14 until about relatively recently, really, about sort of 10, eight years ago when I went for a routine checkup and they said, um, well, you've lived beyond your sell-by date. And that was the first I was aware of that sort of limitation that my parents had obviously um, had so prevalent throughout my growing up. So it, was, it, was, it wasn't something I was aware of when I was growing up, but it's something I kind of just came across in at a routine checkup. So yeah, and I do, I mean, music played a huge part in my childhood. I learned the piano from the age of four with my mum and um, piano and violin. I went to junior guild hall and it was very much part of our family's life as well. And I took huge pleasure from it. And, you know, there's no scientific proof. However, I do believe that the joy and the the connection to my mum and the joy I got from music making was definitely a big part in, in my healing. That's wonderful. I actually didn't know that story, which shows how much uh, attention I pay when I'm learning the piano. It's all about me and not about my piano teacher. <laughs> That's how it should be. <laughs> Tell us about Queen. How far has your virtual choir got in terms of I want to break free? And uh, can you join a choir even if you can't sing? Of course, especially now when you, no one can hear you on Zoom anyway. It's all about just enjoying <laughs> it and having fun and having that impact of seeing everybody making, having such a good time together. I mean, last week was Mental Health Awareness Week and we held a few workshops in different companies and the buzz people felt from just that impact of singing together and pumping the air together in solidarity. I mean, I think it's, it's hugely beneficial, especially at times 
like now. So we have launched this virtual big thing um, in partnership with Culture Mile and the Lord Mayor's Appeal, trying to, it is free to take part, but if we can raise money for some really worthy causes along the way, then obviously that would be really, um, a really positive outcome. How many people have joined so far, Tessa? Well, we launched it last week. And so we haven't, um, we're doing a workshop on June the 4th where people can learn their parts. And then after that, unless you're feeling confident enough to upload your part before that, which you're welcome to, um, we are hoping for, for a big number. We've got, yeah, the Culture, Net- what, Culture Mile Network partners range um, from, I think it's about 100 now, 150 businesses who are network partners of the Culture Mile. And the Lord Mayor's Appeal has, has such a reach as well, as well as our own clients. So we're hoping for it to be a big... A big uh, London event and the Lord Mayor himself is really keen to get people singing from the rooftops, if possible, across London to bring us all together again at this difficult time. So is there a limit to how many people can join up? Oh, absolutely all of us can. All of you can. Anybody, like friends, family, people abroad, family in other countries. That's what I think the, the, the positives of this time have been the concerts we've been holding have become really international really quickly because people have been inviting their grandparents in or cousins in who've never had them play cousins in Australia we've had people waking up in Japan in Tokyo at sort of two in the morning their time to join our zoom concerts so it is a really accessible time to to be making music together and and just very quickly so our listeners know if they're going to join up what to expect what sort of commitment do you have to have to it you just have to um, download your part, which is all available on our website, musicandoffices.com, on the online resources section. Download your part and then upload your voice. Or if, you don't, if you're not comfortable uploading your voice, you could always just upload a video of your own rendition of the Queen, Queen video. Get your hoover out and a wig and put on a Freddie Mercury moustache and you're away. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Well, I mean, uh, I've got some face masks I, and I'm going to make myself now a Freddie uh, Mercury uh, mask as well. We're really looking forward to it, Tessa, and thanks so much for coming on to our podcast. Great. So that was my piano teacher and teacher to the stars, i.e. me, Tessa Marchington. Now, someone who's doing something positive to boost all our mental health is young Gabriel Jagger. I should emphasize that Charlotte, who's incredibly old, wrote this script. Uh, I think Gabriel <laughs> I think Gabriel and I are probably about the same age. <laughs> Dream on. <laughs> Gabriel, the same age as Ed, has a new venture. Gabriel is part of the famous Jagger clan. His new venture is called Why Now? And it's doing something very positive to boost all our mental health. And we want to hear more, Gabriel. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ed. Hi, Charlotte. Hello, Gabriel. Yeah, so we started two years ago, whynow.co.uk, at the beginning of the idea. And then it's kind of properly come to life since the end of last year. Um, And the whole emphasis is kind of more important than ever is telling positive stories uh, and we do it through videos podcasts interviews and now we've got a live music feature as well so can you tell us a bit more about the journey that took you to why now and why you got so interested in mental health uh, the way i think about it is more that i believe the media needs to show more of a positive angle in particular towards the arts i mean from my experience and you know, reading and watching watching TV and reading newspapers and magazines, it seems like it's always trying to catch the scandal and show the bad things. And I wanted to get a group of young people together and try and make a platform that avoids that and that focuses really on, you know, is the art good? And then it kind of ballooned out to a lot of other things. And so, yeah, with our podcast, The Worldwide Will Show, 
We found Will, um, who spent just over 11 years in Afghanistan uh, and faced a lot of mental health issues when he came back. And it was just amazing the amount of people he could bring together of all these guys who, you know, went to the mid a lot of them went to the Middle East and had lived this life as a soldier for so long and then come back to normal civilian life. And it's a, it's a real struggle. So it's been... It's um it's been a good catharsis to them, and also as a podcast, it's just really interesting to hear from that side of life that you don't usually get to hear. It's so true, and I think particularly for ex-military as well, mental health issues are incredibly important. I mean, one of the things you've said, Gabe, is that uh, you focus on enthusiasm and talent rather than kind of what's meant to be cool and hip. We interview artists, old, young, wherever they're from, whoever they are. It's just we think that there's an interesting story about their work and their life. Um, I mean, I think it's just it feels rare to see a, a picture of an old sculptor talking about his journey to making his work without there being a negative angle. And I think it's important. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really I think that's absolutely right. I mean, it would be nice if there were more sites that particularly ones aimed at younger people that also emphasised, you know, people's experience and longevity, because I don't think you should put young people in a box. I'm sure they're just as enthusiastic about Colonel Sir Tom Moore as all the rest of us. Right now, in this lockdown and this whole situation, you can see so many people um, moving towards this positivity thing. And it's, and it's felt really good for us because, you know, it's it's validating the fact that it, it, there is a need. There is a need for positive stories. How are you going to curate it? Because aren't you going to be absolutely inundated with people wanting to use you as a platform for, you know, their latest song or their latest video or their latest film or whatever it is? Basically, the question I've said to all the editors is always just, is it good? Do we believe it's good? If it's good, then we should do it. If we don't believe it's good, then it doesn't matter. The angle doesn't really matter. Just one of the things I want you to tell me quickly about, because it, it rather caught my eye. I thought it was rather a lovely idea. You're getting um, a very well-established artists to send letters to them, the younger version of themselves. Is that right? That's right. I mean, so we started, we have a series called Decades, which runs on the site, which is where we ask an artist to pick 10 years of their life and their work and talk about it. And then it down that rabbit hole came another idea, which was... Um, Dear Young Me, which was what, you know, what would these figures, these icons of our time in the arts, what would they say to their younger selves? I mean, it's, you know, we watch all these documentaries and we read all these things about how these artists get to where they are, but um, I'd never seen something where they could genuinely speak to themselves. So that's, yeah, that's coming out soon. Um, and I think it'll be, I think it'll be really interesting. A lot, they're, so, they're so varied as well. I mean, we had, you know, a beautiful piece by Stephen Fry, um, we've got Harvey Keitel is working on one and we've had one, we've had, we've had a lot of great people. Well, that sounds a fantastically worthwhile project and also anything that encourages more people to be creative is always a good thing. So very good luck with it. And you can all see what Gabriel Jagger is doing on whynow.co.uk and I hope there's an app coming soon. Take care, Gabriel. Thanks for coming on. Now we want to move seamlessly from discussing how music and positive stories can cheer us up to how sex can cheer us up. But we're going to be talking about sex, of course, in a very highbrow way, because our next guests are behind a new and deliciously smutty reading of 10 tales from the Decameron. And I don't need to tell our highly educated listeners that the 
Decameron is, of course, the great 14th century Italian masterpiece written by Giovanni Boccaccio. Yes, and amazingly, we rather forget that it was all set in 1348 when the Black Death hit Florence and decimated its population, some say even wiping out up to about three quarters of it. And this fantastic masterpiece tells the story of 10 friends who meet up at Santa Maria Novella in Florence and then flee the plague to a house in the countryside. And while they're all there in their lockdown, they tell each other stories to keep themselves sane and entertained. Well, now those stories have been retranslated and 10 of those are being read by a host of well-known actors on a brand new podcast called Passion and the Plague. And the three people behind the project are Dr. Kevin Childs and the fabulous acting duo, Lindsay Duncan and Hilton McRae. And Ed and I are delighted that you're here to tell us all about it. Hello. 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 <laughs> we are as one. <laughs> we are as one. There are millions of people on this conversation. <laughs> we'll try and navigate way through it. Charlotte, who has written the script for this conversation and therefore has uh, liberally sprinkled it with references to sex, did forget to say did forget to say that Lindsay and Hilton are in fact married. So when we have you on our podcast to talk about your podcast, and I happen to mention that Lindsay and Hilton have apparently recorded some of these stories together under the duvet, I hope it doesn't sound too bizarre. Tell us about your duvet recordings. Well, I'm here to blow the cover literally on this. I was the one who got under a duvet with my phone inside a sock, whereas my beloved husband just busked it. And apparently it's marvellous. <laughs> so I was getting quite hot underneath the duvet. <laughs> and Hilton was really comfortable, uh, minus duvet. So I don't know, well, make of that what you will. <laughs> well, it's a brilliant idea to bring this great classic back to life because, of course, there are so many extraordinary parallels between then and now. Now, Kevin, I read your excellent piece in The Independent about why you all embarked on this project together. So can you tell our listeners uh, a bit about the background to it all? Well, as you said, I mean, it was um, conceived and written during the Black Death. Um, Boccaccio was a, a Florentine, although he'd spent most of his youth in Naples. And um, what he does, he, he doesn't really invent many of the stories himself. He just brings them in from all sorts of different places um, and creates this, this meta story of the 10 friends uh, who flee Florence for a country house uh, in order to kind of give the excuse for telling a whole load of stories. But what is kind of fascinating about the, the nature of these stories is they are very sexy. They are very, uh, very bawdy in, in some cases, but there is a, a, a mix too. We do have some kind of very romantic tales, some tales which involve magic and things like that as well. And I just thought, you know, we all need cheering up, really. And these really do cheer. I mean, some of them don't. Some of them are actually very tragic. But by and large, these really cheer you up and take you out of yourselves to another place. Everyone's struggling, I think, particularly at this stage with lockdown. And this has been going on for months now. And I, I think I, I personally wanted to kind of uh, contribute something to the culture. I think it's... Um... A wonderful exercise, and I think it's wonderful to reach across the hands of history, reaching across to touch each other. In fact, I was walking in a village near my home 
called Letcombe Bassett. And uh, Letcombe Bassett actually features in Thomas Hardy's Jude the Obscure. But I walked past the 13th century church tower and I thought that tower has stood proud and erect for the last three quarters of a millennium. And now here we are discussing these amazing stories where people are basically doing exactly the same thing uh, 700 years ago as we're doing now using sex and the arts to get yeah, us there's through a, there's this a lot pandemic. Of, there's a lot of proud and erect in this as well too. <laughs> a choice <laughs> phrase in many You ways. obviously had enormous fun doing them. Can you tell us about some of the other actors who took part as well? And, and I mean, it must have been a riot. Uh, it was this. a riot. Um, uh, I translated them because uh, I I sort of looked at a lot of the the existing translations and there were a copyright issues and b most people sort of go down this vaguely Victorian route so the language is a bit thee and thou and you know uh, Lord Tennyson and that kind of thing uh, and I didn't want that I wanted it to sound much more modern so I thought I'll do the translations myself we have three of uh, three wonderful actors from a group called Forced Entertainment who are a, um, the very well-known, um, uh, I, I hesitate to call it performance art, it's more sort of experimental theatre, I think. Um, and uh, they're rather fantastic. That's Claire Marshall, uh, Richard Loden, and Kathy Naden. Uh, we have this very young chap who's literally just out of drama school called Sam Fairbrother as well, who reads one of the tales. Um, Carol Noble's a very good friend of mine, and as, as is Chris Salisbury and Jill Mega, who um, her great claim to fame is she was a Bond girl back in the 1980s. So I especially wanted uh, not to have people reading them straight as though it's a, a, um, a, a, a an audio book. I wanted them to sort of play a character and play with the language and play with the way that they read it. And everybody did that brilliantly. Can I just say that I, I agree? <laughs> um, I haven't listened to my own, um, but I, I've now listened to, to all of them. And I think... Kevin has done an amazing job um, and it really makes that arc between them then and us now just the most miraculous thing. You know, I, I, I had the same feeling today listening. I thought, oh, God, we're, you know, that was in 13, whatever. Um, I, I'm just um, so long ago and we're going through exactly the same thing. And in your translation, it releases all the qualities of those texts. They're very human. They're very worldly and knowing and funny and, yes, sexy, because that's uh, such a hugely important element of life, isn't it? Storytelling will, will never let us down. It's a, a great, great link, isn't it, between us all? I agree. And I've absolutely loved listening to these. I was actually listening to one in the queue outside the Fishmonger the other that's, day. That's... And it got, oh it got so raunchy. I, I blushed outside the Fishmonger. I think, yes. Well, actually, listening to it outside the Fishmonger is very Decameron in some way. It does sound like a very medieval situation. But um, I think, look, to be blunt, I think we've beaten about the bush long enough. We now want to hear uh, a bit of lovely smut, is what Charlotte's written in the script. <laughs> I think that's very vulgar and rude, Charlotte. We want to hear a snippet from the Decameron, and I hope that Lindsay and Hilton, you might have a snippet 
at your fingertips. I've got a wee bit here. This is a pen portrait of the lawyer, Ciappelletto. This is how it goes. If a will needed forging or a false witness statement signing, he was your man. He'd lie through his teeth under oath, stir up enmity between the best of friends. If a throat needed cutting, he'd hold the knife. He hated the church, never set foot inside one, preferring the company of certain taverns. Women, he liked as much as a dog likes a beating. But a well-greased manhole, that was another matter. And that's that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Well, we're speechless. Ed, I hope you're blushing. All I could think about, all I could think about, was better call Saul. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, well, that was uh, that was absolutely terrific. Thank you very much. Look, I think we have whetted everybody's uh, appetite. I think you're going to have thousands more downloads, and well deserved too. It sounds like a wonderful piece of work. It is a wonderful piece of work. And Charlotte's queuing outside the fishmongers. I'll go and queue outside the butchers in order to carry on listening to this wonderful work of art that you've created. Yes, and that's Passion and the Plague, and it's very widely available on all the usual places like ours is, Spotify and iTunes and so on. So lovely to have all of you. Thank you very Thank you. much. Thank you. So we spent so long talking about sex, we've only just got time to tell you about one last excitement this week, which is the global film festival We Are One. We Are One brings together 20 major international film festivals, all of them household names, Tribeca, Cannes, Berlin, Venice, Sundance, Toronto, Mumbai, Tokyo, Sarajevo. It's a 10-day digital festival that starts this Friday. It's going to benefit the World Health Organization's COVID-19 Solidarity Response Fund. It also, it also of course, includes... Uh, London's highly successful London Film Festival. And here to tell us all about We Are One and the London Film Festival is Tricia Tuttle, who is Festival's Director at the British Film Institute. Tricia, hello. Hello, Ed. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Ed. How Hi. are you guys? Fantastic. Very good. How are you? Yeah, really well. Good. Gorgeous, gorgeous day makes lockdown easier Just when you about. can see blue sky out your window. Get ready for barbecues. Now, <laughs> sounds good. Trisha, tell us what we can expect. This sounds absolutely amazing. Feat of coordination to bring together 20 major film festivals. And also, I can't quite see how everyone's going to get everything done in 10 days. But I guess a lot of festivals, well, I don't know if festivals show the same films. Anyway, I'm talking too much. Trisha, tell us what's going to happen. Well, it's fair to say there will be no time for barbecues because there's too much to do <laughs> on the um, online film festival. But you're right, it is a major feat of organisation and um, all spearheaded by Tribeca. Um, they started their festival in um, just after 9-11 as a sort of response to bring communities together around Twin Towers. 
Um, and this was very much that same impulse that they had where they wanted to bring people around the world together um, who are struggling uh, because of the global crisis and people who are struggling financially um, because of the global crisis uh, will be supported through the fundraising efforts. Um, but, it, you know, it's as much about um, sort of making sure we all connect and, you know, take that pleasure that we all get from film and art and um, and music, because this is also about music as well, too. Um, but they had the idea, I think, over a weekend and then literally called um, called me on a Friday, as I'm sure they did with every other festival, and said, are you in? They've launched it so quickly, brought the whole program together in just three weeks. And you're right, it is a big feat because every festival screens different work. Um, so it was a massive effort of coordination to get everybody to get together a program that had breadth and texture. So that sounds absolutely an unbelievable feat. Are we, so what are we going to see? And are there a couple of films that you've seen already that you can recommend? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we each festival was asked to programme um, four to six hours of work. And we, the BFI, have programmed um, some great films, which I'm going to give a plug to because they're, they're wonderful and they're really relevant for UK audiences as well. Um, so we've got two restorations from the National Archive, um, which are both, we're both signed films um, but they have new scores from contemporary musicians so really beautiful um, to watch at home one of them is called Shiraz a romance of India and Anushka Shankar um, created the score she's the daughter of Ravi and a beautiful sitar player and um, the other one's called the epic of Everest which is um, really wonderful adventure film with a new um, score from Simon Fisher Turner both of these are, have been restored by the BFI National Archive, um, so great to have the work of my colleagues on show there. Um, we've also programmed a really uh, terrific documentary called Rude Boy, the story of Trojan Records, which is um, exactly that, a story of the great sort of 60s, early 70s UK label that brought reggae and ska um, and rock steady music to the UK with hits from the Maytals, Jimmy Cliff, um, Desmond Decker. Um, and it's just a great... Um, documentary ode to Britain's love affair with uh, with um, Jamaican culture and and uh, reggae music. So that's great. And we also, if you want to check out um, some new filmmakers who are really making a name for themselves in the UK, you can watch the UK New Filmmakers Shorts Programme. Um, it has three filmmakers, including Mark Jenkin, who some of your listeners might know as the director of Bait. Um, but it's a chance to see his, his short film um, from 2018, just to get a sense of where he's come. Um, in the last year but yeah that, that's our programming but there's great programming from all over the world before you go to show i just want to check the logistics how do i get online to watch this do i register do i pay how 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 does the viewing public get to watch the films good question it's all free uh you go to uh, if you just google we are one um it's all on youtube free to view. Um, the work is going to be programmed in at certain times, but then um, audiences will be able to see it um, for seven days after the initial screening. Um, it's also all free. Everything's free. Um, we'd encourage people to donate um, to charities. There's a donate button, but you can just go and enjoy um, some great films and great music um, over the next uh, 10 days. Brilliant. And while you're on, just uh, since I used to be the minister responsible for the British Film Institute, how are you all doing during lockdown? Because obviously cinemas are closed and film you can obviously watch online. It's one of the mediums actually that can have an, an alternative avenue, if you like. But it's still, you know, the BFI has a building. 
It brings people together for one, not just for the London Film Festival itself, but also wonderful weeks focusing on a particular director or whatever. How's morale and everything and thoughts? It's it's yeah. So thank you for asking. It's it's really good actually. I mean, we've had to pivot really quickly, and um, you know, we obviously don't have our cinemas right now, but we have the wonderful BFI player, which um, anyone in the UK can good access point. with great films. Yeah. Yeah, so so we are able to put new programming on to BFI Player, which we've done. We've got a big um, Japanese um, sort of blockbuster season of contemporary and classic Japanese film, including anime and wonderful samurai films. That's worth checking out as well, too. But yeah, I think our morale is great. Um, you know, like everyone in the film industry, we we want to get back to to cinemas. It's uh, it's the be- It is the best place to see a film. It's great to be able to access all these wonderful films we can see now. But um, anyone who works in the film industry and any real cinephile just loves that pleasure of sitting in a dark room with strangers and watching uh, watching the big screen. Thank you very much again to Trisha Tuttle. And I'm afraid that's all we've got time for this week as we've had so many wonderful guests on and covered so much from music to mental health and movies with a good smattering of delightfully delivered smut. All details of everything we've talked about can be found on our website at countryandtownhouse.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening and please join Ed and me again next Monday. Goodbye. <laughs>